free. Let's look at the Word today. Let's open up to 2 Peter. We'll start about the same place we started last time I was preaching here. It's good to be here today. I took a couple of weekends off and it was weird. You guys ever miss church a couple of weekends? Man, I was sitting at home texting people, telling them what to do because it was, I, I can't not be here. That's your good English for today. I can't not be here. <clears throat> Amen? And so that was not a, uh, that was not easy for me to uh, sit and do nothing. But I did it, and I'm done with that, so I shouldn't have to do it again for a really long time. <laughs> Amen? Let's pray over the Word before we get, begin. Father God, we do ask your help and utterance for this service today, Lord. We're trusting you that it will be the very Word of God and not the Word of man, Lord, that it would go forth and bless the hearer, Lord, that it would encourage and, and help us in every way, that it would exalt you and glorify you, and it would go into our hearts and be good seed, good seed and good soil and produce a good harvest in our lives and in the lives of those we touch. And we thank you for it in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Second Peter 1, starting verse 3, says, According as His divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. How many think they're living a life of all things that pertain... That, that's, that, how many think that they have this down pat? In other words, they have all things. Okay, let me rephrase that. <clears throat> how, many are, how many believe that God has given them all things? Yeah. Now, how many believe they're using the all things that God has given them? Huh? I don't believe we are. You know, I was looking at, I was just thinking about my own life. I can't judge other people's lives. But God has given us so much... His love for us is extravagant. His love and through His love, He has given us everything, all things that we need for life and godliness. All things. Things, things that we don't... We, there's many things that we just forego for a lack of knowledge that they're there. Anybody ever found something in the Bible and said, Hey, I haven't been having that. I'm going to start having that now. Huh? Or maybe just a promise you hadn't seen before? Anybody ever put up with something and then later on figured out, wait a second, Jesus already paid the price for that? Huh? How many know there's more to that? The more that we dig into the grace of God and see the gifts that are within this grace, to see the gifts that are within this mercy and this love that, that were given to us through Jesus, the more we'll be unwilling not to have. Amen? We need to become so much more like those that were in the Old Testament. They were unwilling not to have the things God said they had. Amen? In this world today, we're willing to say, well, you know, I got a car, so what if it doesn't work? You know, I was believing God for a car and I got one. I know the engine's blown, but I got a car. God gives cars with good engines. Amen? And when we settle for the blown engine, then we've settled for less than His Word because He gives perfect gifts. He gives good and perfect gifts. He doesn't give half gifts. He doesn't give gifts that, that 
that uh, are part, like, well, think about the blind, the, they brought a blind and a dumb man to him. And what if he would said, well, I'm going to let him talk, but he doesn't need to see. No, Jesus healed him wholly. He, he gave him vision and he could talk. God gives whole gifts. And the gift that he gave through Jesus Christ was a whole gift. And he gave us everything that pertains to life and God-likeness. If we're missing something, it's not God-like. How many know God's not short of anything in heaven? Amen? Amen? And so if we're missing something in our lives, if it be of material goods, if it be love, if you're missing love in your life, they say, what are you going to do, talk about love again, Dave? Yeah. Because if you're lacking in love, it's not because God doesn't have enough for you. He's got more. And he, not only does He have more, He's extravagant with what He does. He doesn't just give you what you need. He goes above and beyond. But so many times we stop at exactly what we ask for or less. Amen? How many, how many have ever had a cold? Did you go in and get in your scriptures and get and, and shut everything else off and say, I got to get my healing. I can't have a cold in my life. I, I can't. I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get rid of this. Uh, no matter what, I'll take the time. I'll get in the Word. I'll, I'll spend days if I have to getting rid of this cold because Jesus paid the price so that I didn't have to have a cold. No, <laughs> I'm not getting a lot of answers. You know why? Because we'll just put up with those things. But yet Jesus bore stripes on His back so that we could be healed of all things. Amen? But yet, unless it's really bothersome, we won't spend time trying to grab hold of what God's promised. This is one of His great and precious promises. Whether you get healed from a, a hangnail or cancer, it's the same, it took the same amount of power from God. But we'll never believe for the little things. So then when the big thing comes up, we got no practice. <laughs> right? When the big thing comes up, man, we're, we're not only scared, but we've, we've not started trusting Him. Think about David. David didn't just start, you know, one day and say, I'm going to start believing God. No, he's, he's, he spent time with Him, and then he defeated a lion, and then he defeated a bear. And by the time he got to Goliath, he's like, I've already defeated a lion and a bear. Who are you? But you know what was more impressive about David? He knew who he was. And because of who he was, he knew what he had. And out of knowing what he had, that's where his characteristics and qualities came from. That's where his heart came from. When you know you're a child of the living God and that you have great and precious promises and you have already received all that you need for life and godliness, then when something comes along, you're like, what's that? I've already defeated the lion and the bear. Who do you think you are? We don't put up with those things. Amen? Verse 4. Verse 4, second, uh, where we were, yeah. Whereby are we given unto us exceeding what did I say? God's extravagant. Yeah. He's extravagant. He doesn't just give you promises. He gives you exceeding great 
and precious promises. He gives you things that, within, that, that He puts within your life that defeat anything that comes near you. And not only do they defeat it, they take away anything else that it had that was yours. And then they take everything that it had that wasn't yours, but it stole from somebody else because we, we are victorious. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. In other words, we don't just win. We don't just get the promise. We get the exceeding great and the precious. Amen? That by these we might be partakers of His divine nature. And that's what we talked about last time. That we become a partaker of who He is. And we become like Him in that very nature. But we also become like Him in the earth because we become who He is. In other words, you're His kid. And somebody says, I'm taking you on. You're saying, boy, you're messing with the wrong person because you must not know who I am. And see, you can be just that sassy when you know who you are. In fact is, you won't even get sassy because you just know who you are. You will have a confidence in who you are because of what he said that will, that will drive you daily. to it, It'll become your normal life. Amen? Look at Mark 7. Mark 7, 13. Look at it in the Amplified Bible. It says, Thus you are nullifying and making void and of no effect the authority of the Word of God through your tradition, which you in turn hand on, and many things of this kind you are doing. They were taking, some, they were taking money and, and saying, Well, I was supposed to give it to my mom and dad, but I don't want to give it to them, so I'll say I'm going to give it to God so they don't get it. <laughs> Basic principle, right? And, but the thing about it is, if you really look at the verse, there are great and precious promises in God's Word. And when we settle for less than what He says, we make His Word void in our lives. When you settle for less than what God's Word says, when God says a thousand will fall at one side, ten thousand at your other, but it won't come near you, but yet it comes near you, you say, well... You know, it, it, only, it, was only, it only took my car. No, that was more than God said. If it took one dollar of your money, that was more than God said. He said a thousand will come here, ten thousand will come here, but it won't come near you. If the enemy has any access into our lives at all, it's too much. It's too much. And if we just write it off to, well, we got this, well, that's okay. We got this. I think that we should not put up. There should be no such thing as an acceptable loss. We should have unacceptable losses. When, when, we, when we go through the winter and we don't get the flu, but maybe we get a little cough or something, then we say, oh, well, you know, at least I didn't get the flu. No. We quit doing that. We say, you know what? Not only am I not going to get the flu, I'm not going to have a cough. Amen? Amen? Don't put up with the little, the little foxes. What's it say happens with the little foxes? They're the ones that spoil the vine. It ain't the great big things that you can see. You know what? If you can see a truck coming down the road, you don't go out in front of it. But somebody, little bitty car that can't see coming over the hill, it'll hurt you too. Right? So it's not just what we see. We, we have got to be, we've got to build up a lifestyle of only accepting good in our lives. We can have no tolerance of anything but good. Amen? Amen? I'm, I'm tired of all the little things 
that affect my life. I always call them ants at a picnic. We were having a, a two days and Thursday. We had a Thursday and a Thursday. In other words, there was enough work for two days, but we only had one to do it. And, 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 it, and I was, it was just like that. It was like ants at a picnic. Every time you turned around, there was some little bitty thing, and, and you could either pack up your stuff and leave, or you could stomp them. We got too many people packing up their stuff and leaving. Keep your fried chicken out. Keep your, keep, keep your napkins and your plates out. And get your shoes on and stomp your ants. Amen? Amen? Let's not put up with the junk that the devil... Because that's how... He's just trying to get you to quit. And how little... He's a lazy devil because he'll try to do it with as little as he can. Right? Thank you, Lord. Look at uh, Joshua. We, we talked about this story a little bit a few weeks ago, and actually somebody else brought it up to me again this week. But uh, Joshua um, chapter uh, 7. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. said, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi. Man, I changed my name. The son of Zabdi and the son of Zerah. Isn't that wild, man? You know, they think our names are really weird today. So they wouldn't think mine was because they had a David, so. <laughs> of the tribe of Judah took the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Now, a lot of people say God got mad about that. No, he was angry because that took away his ability to get to him. See, we look at these things wrong too many times. We think he was mad because of what they did. Yes, he was mad because of what they did because it took away his ability to help them. Amen? That's why parents get mad at their kids. Parents don't get mad at their kids just because of what they do. They get mad at their kids because what they do takes away their ability to help them so many times. Well, how many know God's a better parent than we? Amen? And, and he, when things like this happen, because he had already set in place right here, he told Joshua in the very first chapter of this book, he said, no man will ever be able to stand against you. Ever. Joshua had a promise. That was an exceeding great and precious promise. And, and God said, all the days of your life, no man will be able to stand against you. And so, so Joshua had this promise. So Joshua never thought about a man being able to come against him and defeat him. He didn't think. Why? Because he, he had gotten a promise from God. See, when we get a promise from God, we need to think like Joshua. In other words, when it says, by whose stripes you were healed, then when somebody... I'm, I, my mom used to say this all the time, and I think I said it last time. She said, I'd say, Mom, I don't feel good. And she said, well, you better pray for somebody because you can't be sick. Yeah. She didn't look at me having the ability to be sick. Why? Because I'm a child of God. The ability for me to be sick is no longer there because now I'm a child of the most... How many know God's kids won't be sick? Unless they settle for sickness. You know, sometimes that makes me mad too because I think, well, I didn't think I settled for sickness. I did. You guys have never done that. Don't. Okay? Just let me tell you, as someone who from experience has settled for sickness, don't do it. We don't have to. We don't have to. So Joshua did not even take into account that he could lose. He wasn't thinking about anything. 
So in verse 2 it says, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, I-A, whatever, A-I, A-I, A-O, which is, which is beside Bethaven. That's why they had to say that, because nobody ever heard of Ai. <clears throat> and on the east side of Bethel, you know, it's like, it's by the Gulf Station and across from the Wendy's. That's what they're saying right there. They say a guy was given these directions. Because they knew they didn't want to get it's not on this little road and that little it's by the it's by the Wendy's across from McDonald's, okay? Okay, I know where that is. Well, you get, oh, okay, by it's across from the health food store and the natural foods. Now see, I wouldn't know where that is. <laughs> For me it would have to be near the McDonald's and the Wendy's. <laughs> Everybody's, why you got to talk about McDonald's and Wendy's all the time? (laughs) You are where you live. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And he said, go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed I. Verse 3. And they returned to Joshua and and said unto him, let not all, yeah, and said unto him, let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite them. Smite them, beat them, beat them up, get them. Amen? And make not all the people. In other words, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. Just send, just send a few thousand up. It'll be fine. He, said that, he just said, don't make all the people go work. I kind of like that theology, actually. Let them go work. Let me rest. <laughs> no, I'm not slacker. No. <laughs> Verse 4. So there, so there that went up. So they went up. Of the people, about 3,000. What is a thither? <laughs> thither. How many people say thither in here? <laughs> Go up thither. They went up about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. Verse 5. And the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men. For they chased them. Remember, they sent 3,000, right? And they smote 36. You know what that would be called in today's wars? Acceptable loss. Very acceptable loss. They would. They would, do. They would call that way acceptable. Acceptable loss. Why? I mean, that, shoot, that's just barely over 1%. Man, we went to war and we only lost 1%. Why would they call that smote? I don't feel smitten. Man, what, 2,900 and... Sixty-four of them came home. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about right here. That's how the world thinks. That's not how God thinks. And it wasn't how Joshua thought. Killed killed 36 of them and chased them from before the gate even to whatever that is and smote them in the going down wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. The hearts of the people were much like Joshua. Why? They melted because they lost 36 men. Man, in today's world that would be like saying, I didn't get the flu, I only got a cold. You know, at least I had enough money to pay my bills even though I can't eat. That's what many people would say. They'd say, well, I made the team even if I am sitting the bench. Man, we don't need any bench warmers in the kingdom of God. There is no bench. (laughs) Everybody plays. Glory to God. 
and we don't need any bench warmers. None of these people were. Now, I'm not saying they handled it right because their hearts melted, but they had the right heart. We shouldn't have lost 36 men. Verse 6. This is how Joshua reacted to losing anything. He tore his clothes and fell on the earth on his face before the ark of the covenant of the, of the Lord until even. Why? He's saying, you know what? There's no way. The Bible says, God told me no man would be able to stand against me all the days of my life. This is not God. He did not accept it. He could have said, well, it's just a little bitty city. I don't need it anyway. There's too many times we would have said that. Oh, you know what? I don't have my prayer language yet. It's just a little thing. I don't need it. What's, what's peace? Who needs peace? I don't need peace. Whatever God has, we should desire with all our heart. Whatever He's promised us, it glorifies Him for us to have. How many know it didn't glorify God for 36 people to die and Joshua knew it? And Joshua was not happy that 36 men died. Not happy at all. Tore his clothes. How many do that, man? Oh, man, I lost $1,000 today. Tore, tear your clothes. <laughs> Come home. Why? You should. Why? Because God said that, not, that He wants you to prosper. And He takes pleasure in your prosperity. And He meets all your needs according to His riches and glory. And He doesn't say you'll be short. Right? We should be just this upset. When the devil has a toehold in our lives, we should want to find out why. And I'm not saying look for everything you're doing wrong. Joshua didn't go look at himself. He went to God to find out what happened. Joshua didn't do anything wrong. Did he? His name wasn't Achan. Right? He didn't, obviously didn't know they'd done it. Or God wouldn't have had to tell him he did it. Right? But he got in there and he and the elders went with him too. Not only Joshua, but they said, man, if Joshua is upset, we are upset. Man, in the church today, that would be so good. If, if Brother Moore came up here and he said, this is what I'm thinking we're going to do and I'm going to do this. And everybody, all the elders and everybody that was mature in Christ said, he's going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm not talking about wearing ties and stuff either. Right? I'm telling you, if he says, I'm, we got a meeting this week, and I'm going to fast my lunches for this week, everybody else ought to think, well, there must be something to that. When Joshua went to the room to pray, guess who else went with? The elders went too. Why? Because they were elders. They knew this shouldn't be. They were as convinced as Joshua that they should have won. Every time they go to war, winning is the next action, not losing. Anytime we lose, that should be a sign something's not right because we're never intended to lose. That's called more than a conqueror. When you're already a winner before you go to the battle, that's more than a conqueror. Amen? Verse, uh, did I do verse 7? No. Verse 7, yeah. Well, well, verse 7, if you read the rest of the story, Joshua found out why he lost, and it didn't make him happy. Amen? And, you know, this wasn't, this is when Joshua was, he wasn't praying right here. He said, Lord, why'd you do this? He said, he sounded kind of like some of the Israelites sometimes. Lord, why, why, why? But God showed him why. 
And in showing him, Joshua eliminated what caused that because he knew the promise. Amen? And the only thing that can keep the promise from happening is God not being able to get to you. And the only thing that can keep God from getting to you is something going on in your life or something going on around you. Amen? Right? People don't like that. It's true. It's, God's not wait. We're, we're never waiting on God. God is always waiting on us. All the promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Amen? In other words, whenever you come up with something and ask for it is not when he makes it up. When you ask for brownies, he's already got them. Right? Whatever you're asking for, that may be a bad one. If you ask for broccoli, he's got them. There you go. For all you broccoli people. Whatever you're asking for, he's already got. If it's a promise from God, if, if he says, I'll meet all your needs, and you say, Lord, I've got a need, and then you don't have it, you don't need to go looking for God. He's already said, I'll meet all your needs. Who did Joshua go looking for? He didn't go to God to say, God, why aren't you helping us? He said, God, what, that is what he said, why can't you help us? And he found out why God couldn't help in the situation. He found, he found the blocker of the blessing because he already had the blessing. So he knew there had to be something blocking that blessing. Amen? He could have just said, well, 36 men, 1%, that's acceptable. You know, in that little bitty city, who cares? But he didn't. Why? Because God said, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And when he saw this happen, he refused to accept it. It was an unacceptable loss. Amen? And these are the things in our life we should not have acceptable losses. Amen? Amen. Let's, look at, let's look at David now. Go to 1 Samuel. 1 <clears throat> Samuel. Let's go to Ziklag. 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. David and his guys are coming back. Been at war. Been doing stuff. Right? And they haven't been doing anything wrong. Right? Yes, isn't it interesting that the minute something bad happens in our life, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? You know what? There's a devil. Guess what? There's a cursed world. You don't always have to look for what you did wrong. Remember who you are when something's going wrong, not what you did wrong. Because what you did wrong doesn't change who you are. Too many people living in condemnation and not receiving the best that God has because they're wondering what they did wrong. It doesn't matter what you did wrong. Jesus did it right. And He did it right with your name. Right. He did it right for you. He did it right for me. Every time something goes wrong, I don't go, Oh God, oh God, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Tell me and I'll repent, repent, repent. You know what? I'd spend my whole life repenting. Why? Because I ain't perfect yet. Well, I'm really close. Well, actually, I'm there by grace. When God sees me, He sees me through the eyes of grace, and He says, He's perfect. Amen? But that's how I've got to see me. Amen? That's how I've got to see me. And then if I did something wrong, He'll show me, just like He showed Joshua. He said, this is what's messing this up. 
Amen? Why? Because God's not trying to keep anything from them. He has already given him a promise to get everything to him. Amen? So David and his troops, they're coming home. And it came to pass when David and his men were come from Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites, those Amalekites were troublesome, troublesome people. They had invaded the south in Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Two, and had taken the women captive and were there, that were there, and they slew not any. They didn't kill any. Now, it, guess what? David didn't have this to read, okay? Now, you and think about this. You be David for a minute. You just came home. Your house is burned and nobody's there. Your first thought's going to be, well, I know they didn't kill them. No, your first thought's going to be, oh, no. Well, you're going to start thinking, where's my wife? Where's my kids? Did they kill them? Is it, is, how bad is this? Right? David didn't have the book to read. We got the book to read. It says, didn't slew any, neither great or small, but they carried them away. I don't think they left them a note either. We didn't kill any of your people, but we were taking them slaves. <laughs> but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Verse 4, Then David and the people that were there lifted up their voice and said, Lord, help us. Oh, no, that's not what they said. They cried. How many people say, I just can't believe he cried, because you would have cried. He did exactly what we would have done. Probably he was better. He probably quit crying earlier than we would have. When we had no power to cry, we'd have went out and got some criers to cry with us. That's what happens with us. I've cried out. Can you come over and help me cry? I can't cry anymore. I need some criers. (laughs) They cried until they couldn't cry anymore. Now, wait a second. This is David. David, who had all, he said, call on me in the day of trouble and I'll deliver you. This is David. He had that promise. He's the one that had all these. He knew what God had said. But he was upset. It says David and the people, not just the people, David and the people. Verse verse 5, and David's two wives were taken captive too. Why do you suppose they're telling us that? Because David didn't know what happened to his family either. In other words, David was in the same boat as all the men. Right? Amen? You know, a lot of people look at one person like they should be greater than everybody else. They are because of the God in them, not because of who they are, but because of the God in them. Amen? doesn't matter if you preach from this pulpit or you sweep that floor. You're just as great or you're just as small, depending on how you handle the situation. Amen? And, and, you know, David was crying, and they're, they're going to tell you, well, David's wives were taken too. If my wife was taken, I'd be crying. I'd say, who's going to cook my dinner? <laughs> I wouldn't say that because I cook it most of the time. <laughs> I didn't get this way by not being able to cook. <laughs> I would not be happy if my wife were gone. And he wasn't happy that his were gone. Verse 6, and David was greatly distressed. Why? Because his wives were gone? No. 
David wasn't distressed because his wives were gone. David was distressed because the people were thinking about stoning him. He, his, he, had, he had turned by now, and he's saying, I'm not distressed because the people are gone. I'm distressed because of the way these people are thinking. Amen? It should distress us when other people are thinking wrong. Why? Because it hurts them. Love doesn't like it when other people are hurting. If you have the love of God in you, and you do, and you see somebody hurting, your heart goes out towards them. Amen? People say, well, they were going to stone him. Of course he was. No, he said, because the soul of the people was grieved. He knew that this was not the way to handle this situation. But he also knew the next thing. They were grieved because of all their sons and daughters, but he also knew he was their leader. So what did he do? David encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, too many times we got to have somebody. Lord, send me somebody to encourage me. Lord, who can I call? I need to be encouraged. Lord, Lord help me find me ten people and call the church. Call and get a prayer chain going from here to Alaska. I got to have prayer. David didn't have any of this. I'm not saying prayer chains are bad. I'm saying the Word of God has a great and precious promise for you. And you can encourage yourself in the Lord. You don't have to have 50 people come up to you and say, oh, you're going to make it. And it's great to have faith buddies. Don't get me wrong. We should have faith buddies. But guess what? When faith buddies ain't there, the Word of God is still true. And the Word of God, the Word of God said that a thousand, ten thousand, doesn't matter, won't come near your dwelling. Call upon me in your day of trouble, and I'll deliver you. David had the promises. David knew the heart of God. He wrote most of the Psalms. Read them. He knew. He even wrote the one in 42, in, in Psalm 42, where he said, Hey, soul, why are you disquieted within me? What is it, 42.5? Put that up. Psalm 42.5. Yeah, why? Why are you cast down, oh, my soul? David's talking to himself. What's he doing? He's encouraging, encouraging himself. He's talking to himself. He said, why are you so cast down? Soul, why are you disquieted within me? What's wrong with you? You don't get to do this. That's what he said. That's what we need to do. We need to grab ourselves out of the ear and say, hey, stop it. You don't get to get down. You don't get to quit. You don't get to be a baby. Quit your whining. Stand up and be who you are in Christ. He said, he said, why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Your hope shouldn't be in you in the first place. If it's something you can't do, you're in the best position of your life. Because you'll quit trying. <laughs> right? How many know you don't want to try to save somebody who's drowning when they're flailing around? Why? They'll drown you too. It's when they quit and stop and lay back and let you help them. And you do all the work and you grab them and you swim to the shore and get them out. That's when you can help them. That's what, God, that's what David's saying. He's saying, you couldn't have done this anyway, David. This was bigger than you when you started. You can't be a king. You can't defeat Goliath. You can't defeat a lion or a bear. 
But because of who you are, the Lord in you can defeat all things and you are more than a conqueror in Him. And you can you call on Him anytime and He'll come to you and His mercy endures forever. So it doesn't matter what you did before He got there, He's still going to help you. David talked to himself and he said, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him. He's the help of my countenance. Glory to God. What was he saying? He said, I'm not accepting any loss. So, we're not losing today. This battle ain't over. I'm still here. I'm still standing. And I'm still a child of the Most High God. Amen? Back to, back to Ziklag. He encouraged himself in the Lord. How many can encourage themselves in the Lord? How many have a promise? How many have a promise? Huh? If you're saved. You have the life of God in you. You have the Holy Spirit, which means you have the power of God in you. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at you. It's nothing you can't hit. Right? We should be encouraged daily. And we don't have to be encouraged by how we feel. That's our encourager. That's our encourager. If you just want to be encouraged, just read Psalm 91. Everything in there is a promise for those who love Him. Wow. He says, no enemy can overtake you. No plague comes near your dwelling. I'll be with you all the days of your life. And with long life, I'll set. I mean, the whole psalm. And then when something comes against you, say, I'm a Psalm 91 kid. Sickness comes against you. I'm a 1 Peter 2.24 kid. I'm a Psalm 102, what is it, 106 verse 20? I don't know. Where is that verse? 107. I was close. I was in the neighborhood. Turned right at the McDonald's and there I was. Right? If you're short, what's it say? You know what? I'm one of those who He meets all their, need, all their needs according to His riches and glory. We don't have to settle for less than His promises. And we're not going to settle for, well, this bill got paid and that didn't. Glory to God. You know what? Glory to God this bill got paid. Now this one must get paid. And then your mind says, yeah, but you were stupid. You shouldn't have made that bill. You said, it doesn't matter that I'm stupid. The Lord loves me. And it doesn't make me less His kid. Guess what? I was stupid when I was a kid. Dad, was I still your kid? Yes. And I, if I, and I could ask Mom. She's in heaven. She'd say, you're still my kid and you're still stupid sometimes. <laughs> Stupidity does not take away your inheritance. <laughs> Believing it takes away your inheritance takes away your inheritance. And it doesn't even take it away. It just sits it out there waiting on you. How far does grace reach? Further than any sin, any stupid thing you've ever done. Glory to God. Where were we in Ziklag? David was encouraging himself, right? Verse 7. He said to Abiathar, that's a big name, Abiathar. 
the priest, and Ahimelech's son. I pray thee, bring me hither. Hither and thither is in here, right? So you're going to go hither or thither? Read this chapter. You can go either place. And Abiathar brought thither, and he did exactly. He said, bring it hither, and he brought thither. The ephod to David. Verse 8. And David inquired at the Lord. He inquired. What did he do? He inquired of the Lord. What did he do? Did he say, say, Lord, what did we do wrong? Lord, how can I, how can I even, they don't want to stone me? My, my wives are gone. Their kids are gone. All I've ever done. I did what you said. I went up against Goliath. I beat the lion and the bear. I was going to become king. I, Lord, I'm doing everything you said. Why did this horrible thing happen? If he'd have spent all that time saying that, he'd have wasted all that time. How many prayers start like that? When the prayer should have started just like this. This is what he prayed. He said, Lord, he said, shall I? Why? Because he knows who he is. People that know who they are are confident. They don't have to spend time convincing God who they are because God's who made them who they are. Right? That's what we're doing when we pray those kind of prayers. We're trying to convince God of who we are. We don't need to convince God who we are. He made us that. And he said, shall I pursue after this truth? Shall I overtake them? What's he saying? I want direction, Lord. Tell me what to do next. He'd already encouraged himself and remembered that if he called upon the name of the Lord, he would be saved. He'd already encouraged himself and said, a thousand can fall here, ten thousand can fall here. Ain't coming near me. Me and my house, we're going to do okay. So he'd already encouraged himself. He was now confident. And he he said, "Should should I go get them right now and overtake them? And the Lord answered, pursue them. Why? <laughs> He's my kid. I know what's in him. I put it there. Right? He didn't say, oh, David, David, David. Slow back. Slow back. Your faith is a little high right now. You need to bring that faith level down just a little bit. You know what? You need something else besides me to help you with this. <laughs> we got people that think that. Well, God could help me if I just do that. God helps those who help themselves. Where's that in the Bible? It's not in there? I didn't think so. God helps people who can't help themselves. The fact is, people who try to help themselves, usually God can't help them. They're too busy helping themselves, pulling up their own bootstraps. I'm a man, I can do it myself. Well, do it yourself all your life and lose. I'm a man and I can't do it all myself. In fact, is without God, I'm nothing. God said, pursue them, for you shall surely, most certainly, overtake them. And without fail, recover most everything they took. All? Well, but if I could just get most of it, I'd be okay. Give me, the, give me my wives and kids. Keep the stuff. Just let me have my wife and kid. See, we would accept that. We'd say, Give, just, just let me have my wife and my kids, and you can have all my money. And God said, no, no, no. <laughs> he said, you go get your wife and your kids and the money. You get your Cadillac, you get everything, anything they stole, you take it back. You will recover without fail. Without fail. Without fail, we should recover all. 
I don't know what the devil stole from you. I don't know what the enemy tried to steal from me. But without fail, we should be recovering all. If he stole a minute of your time, he owes you back. And without fail, you may recover it. Glory to God. Verse 9, David went. He didn't say, oh, but Lord, we don't know how big the troop is. We don't know who we're going against. We, you know, it's, it is the Amalekites. They're pretty bad people. You remember we dealt with them a long time ago. No. David got up and took 600 men. And guess what? He didn't know how many men he was going to fight against. He didn't care. Why? Because the Lord told him he was going to, to take over. That he was recovering all. There's no question. Well, that's the way we have to be. That's certain. When God says you're healed, you're healed. It does not matter what your body says. It doesn't get a choice. Amen? We serve a good God full of good and precious promises that only gives good gifts. And if He says we overcome, then we overcome. If He says recover all, we recover all. Guess what Jesus recovered when He came back to this earth? And He died on a cross and He went to the furthest place of hell. And the, and the Holy Spirit, the love of God, raised Him from the dead and He recovered all. You were recovered. I was recovered. Everybody in the past and everybody to come was recovered. Glory to God. We are more than conquerors. We're not waiting for a victory. We're a victory waiting to happen. Glory to God. So he took 600 men. He went and they came to a brook. And there were some people that were tired. 200 people. Oh, we're too tired. We can't go on. I wonder what their wives thought when they come back to them. Oh, you were too tired to come get me? And I would not have wanted to face those wives. Don't you know the other 400 went and got their wives and brought them back? And they came back and their wives were probably walking in front of the line saying, Oh, you couldn't come across the river, I guess, and come and get me. Maybe not. Maybe they were just glad to be home. I don't want to face that life. <laughs> they were faint. They, they were too tired. They, they, they were tired from crying, remember? They wept themselves. They couldn't cry anymore. So we can't go. And so they, they, they go on further. They find a, an Egyptian that the, the Amalekites had just left behind to die because he couldn't go on. And he turned on them and he said, I'll tell you exactly where they are if you just won't kill me. And so they take him to exactly where they are, verse about 16 now. And when they had brought him down, behold, there were spread abroad upon all the earth. What are you saying? There's a whole bunch of them. I got 400 guys. Oh, God, bring me the ephod. Thither and hither. We need some thither and we need some hither and we need it now because there's a great number of people here and I got 400. No, he didn't say it. David still has a promise, a great and a precious promise. God said, pursue and recover all. David didn't even think about it. He said, they're down there and there's a bunch of them. They're eating and drinking and dancing. They're sitting there dancing because they took my wife. He's just getting madder. 
Amen? Why? Because the enemy stole something. That's when you get mad. The enemy took something that belonged to you. And now he's in his camp throwing a party? Oh, no, no, no. He said, all the stuff they'd taken from the Philistines and from the land of Judah. God's country. Stole from it. Ooh. How'd you like to be the one that answered up for that one? Stand before the throne someday. Why'd you steal from my country? Uh oh, was it me, Lord? I think it was him. It was them. No, poof. <laughs> you know, God's merciful enough if they, if they just get saved before they leave here, they'd be right in heaven with us. Doesn't matter what they took. We serve a good God. And then so, so they, they're down there dancing. David didn't even wait. David smote them. From the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. In other words, he didn't just beat them up. He kept beating them up for a whole day. I just said, you take my wife, you take my stuff. You just, oh. None of them escaped except for 400 men, which tells you there were way more than him because he only brought 400. 400 of them ran off afraid. Why? Because the Lord God said do it. And when the Lord God says do it, there goes before you something much greater than you and you are in victory before you get there. Amen? 400 of them ran off. Verse 18. And David did what? He recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and carried, had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. Verse 19, And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small or great. In other words, they got everything. They lacked nothing. Their sons and daughters, neither spoiled, neither anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. Verse 19, And then, what? He recovered more than all. You can now recover more than all. He recovered all, and then he took their stuff. Amen? He said, all is not enough. I want my stuff, and now I'm taking your stuff. Amen? And David took all the flocks, all the herds, which they had drove before those, other cattle, and said, this is David's spoil. In other words, guess what? It ain't yours no more. It's mine. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. Nane, nane, boo boo. <laughs> Glory to God. More than conquerors. We don't just recover what we got, we recover more. In other words, if your health was stolen, take your health back and be healthier. If your money was taken, don't just get back what was taken, take more. Glory to God. David didn't sit back and wait and wonder. He stepped out on a word from the Lord and refused to have less than that word said. And he knew the Lord God. He knew his heart. And he said, not only will I recover all, I'll have abundance. Because God doesn't stop at full. He's the more than enough God. And he, co- he, he overflowed David's cup again. Glory to God. Verse 21, And David came to the 200 men. Whew, there's their wives. I see you couldn't come get me. Whew, I, I don't want to be one of those 200. 
I'd have just said, let's go, honey. Come on. <laughs> David came to the 200, which were so faint they could not fall. David, whom they had made, whom they had made also to abide at the brook. And they went forth to meet David and, the, and meet the people that were there with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Verse 22. Then answered all the wicked men. Remember, this wasn't the good men. This was the wicked men. This is how wicked men talk. Wicked men don't walk in love. Wicked men are about themselves. They got back what they wanted. Now we're done. Amen? And, and nobody else deserved because I got back what I wanted. The wicked men, they said, <clears throat> because they not went, didn't go with us, we're not giving them any of the extra. We're not giving them any of the spoil. None of it that we've recovered, save every man. All they get back is their mad wife and their upset kids. <laughs> that they may lead them away and depart. In other words, they didn't help, they don't get apart. That is not God. That is not God. It doesn't matter. The grace and the mercy of God reach further than anything you could have missed. And you get, to, you get to partake with every person that has ever partaken. Amen? And it's not according to your works. It's according to His works, which were already done before the foundation of the world. It's already decided that you're a participant in the glory and the goodness of God. And you should have the promises every day of your life, not according to what you've done, but according to what He's done. And according to what David did, these men were blessed. Because David said in the next verse, he said, No, no, no. He said, My brethren, that's, that's with... I can't even read. My brethren, with that which the Lord has given us, who He has preserved us. Who's He giving glory to? He's not saying, hey, I'm David and I went down there and beat them up and I'll tell you what we're doing. He said, no, I'm David and the Lord just saved us. He just saved our families and gave us great victory and gave us great spoil. And because He did, He said, He said, and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. Verse 24, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as His part is, that goeth down to the battle, so shall the part be that tarried here with the stuff. They shall have the same part. Well, they didn't work nearly as hard as me. I'd go to war. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Love doesn't care. Love will gladly spend and be spent on behalf of others. Amen? And they should not have cared one bit. They should have been happy. They should say, look, we got your wife, we got your kid, and here, look, money, 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 stuff. Hey, take, take, take. That's the God we serve. That's the love we have. That's the child we are. Glory to God. How many more than conquerors I got in this room today? Stand up on your feet. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Lord. I think I can still cross the creek after all that. Thank you, Lord. You got a song to sing? Yes, sir.